Event Horizon is often considered to be Paul W.S. Anderson's best film. In fact, it's usually touted as his only good film. Today we'll uncover how true those statements are as we discuss Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne's voyage to Neptune to investigate the reappearance of the mysterious Event Horizon. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together with a sci-fi movie. It's quite that simple. And this is the final week of 90s alien season. Uh, this is the fourth and final movie. And this was the voted for movie. This was a vote on patreon.com slash TV in the $5 and up tier. Uh, they are in four choices, and bizarrely, this is probably the one that's the least alien <laughs> of them, in the sense that there's not really, like, an alien running around, but, I mean, there's, there's alien things, there's definitely alien stuff happening, but there's not an alien, per se. Yeah, is there? <laughs> it, it, there's, there's definitely things that are meant to feel like other alien-esque films. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Namely Alien and Aliens. You can tell Paul Anderson, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, that is, likes to rip off uh, Alien. And then he got to do it in a movie that actually was allowed to be Alien in AVP, which we already did. In fact, honestly, the patrons, a little bit cruel, making us do another Paul W.S. Anderson movie this soon after AVP. Bit, bit of a kick in the balls, I'm not going to lie. But we're here, we're going to talk about it. So, here we are. This is what they wanted. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do. I will give you the premise in a second. Uh, but um, I forgot what else I was going to say. I said in a second because there was something else I wanted to say first and I've <laughs> I've forgotten what the other thing was. So I guess I'll just go straight into the premise like a right tit. Here we, are, here we go. <laughs> the premise of Event Horizon <laughs> is uh, that a ship and I think we're in the, what, the 2070s, something like that, uh, by the time they got uh, there? 47. Was it, was it 2047 they go out in the ship? Yeah, it was like 50 ship? years after the movie was made or something. Okay, okay. Yeah, because it said 2015 at the start was when we established the first colony on the moon, so we're a bit behind schedule on Damn. that one. Got uh, that wrong. Yeah, so, so yeah, they were maybe a bit ambitious with that one, but we find out in 2040 that the Event Horizon, after they've already established stuff on both the moon and Mars, the Event Horizon was a ship, a deep space ship that was sent out past Neptune to try and basically explore the edge of the solar system. We actually find out later in the movie that there's a bit more to it than that, but that's what we're told at the start, and it went missing. It's, it's, it's known as the great, greatest disaster in space because the ship went missing, right? Up until then, there hadn't been any other sort of mass, like, mysterious casualties of ships going away and things like that. And the Event Horizon is the ship that went out there. Uh, the movie focuses on another ship, uh, captained by Lawrence Fishburne. Sam Neill is the person who designed some of the stuff on the ship. I, I think he designed the Event Horizon entirely, mm -hmm. but certainly the engine he, he built. And he's got along with them to see what happened to it, because it's shown back up. It's sending out a signal. It's back near Neptune, and they're going out there to see what happened. So they explore the ship, you know, look into what happened, and that's the premise of the movie. And some crazy horror sci-fi stuff goes down and i'll just leave it at that for spoiler free then we'll get into stuff later what i was going to say i forgot i remembered halfway through that i remembered the other thing i was going to say the other preface that i wanted to make is that paul w sanderson is generally regarded by everyone as a shite director he is shite that's just what he is 
Some people hot wife though. Some <laughs> sure. Some people <laughs> will have a a cheesy affection for the first Mortal Kombat. In fact, myself included. I have a bit of nostalgia for it. I can watch that movie and get something out of it. But most people agree he's shite. However, there is a large portion of people who do say he made one actual good movie. And they will say that movie is Event Horizon. And I heard this for years before I watched it for the first time, which was not now. Uh, this was a, a, a rewatch, but two rewatches might I add, because we had to delay the recording. <laughs> I'm not happy about that either. It's probably <laughs> your fault. I can't remember what happened, but it's usually your fault. That is a blatant lie. <laughs> I think one in ten delays are my fault, and the other nine are yours. <laughs> Hey, I've got a full-time job. <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying <laughs> what you said there was blatantly incorrect. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Probably. It's <laughs> not a definitive answer. <laughs> it's, it's close enough. Uh, so what I'm trying to say here is that all you people who say Event Horizons has one actually good movie... You're full of shit, it's terrible, and I'm going to mm-hmm. explain to you why you're wrong for the rest of this review. Because AVP is definitely better than this. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I'd agree with that, actually. Hmm? AVP's not good. Let me make that clear. <laughs> that's, not good, that's not a good movie. I gave it like a four. This is worse than that. <laughs> Don't spoil anything. Hey, hey, there's a lot of numbers below four. Look, I, I like I, I'm I've been a little hyperbolic, but I do not think it's good. It's full of things I hate, uh, more so from the horror genre than the sci-fi genre. Admittedly, the stuff that I don't like about it. But we'll get into all that. Uh, but I think there's a lot of objective complaints. I think there's a lot of really dated elements about the movie from the time it was made, and there's so much more to go into. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but you hadn't seen this until we did it for the show. Oh no! I went and saw this in theaters. I just thank you. As, as, that is like I couldn't have been more wrong. You saw it in theaters on release. That is like the complete yeah. opposite of not seeing it. <laughs> I went in completely blind too. I think it was like I just moved to the states, you know, with my family, and my mom and I were like at the movies and just seeing what was there, and I had no idea what it was, but I knew Sam Neill was in it, and he was the guy in Jurassic Park. So I'm like. Let's go see Event Horizon. The, like, the poster doesn't say that it's a horror movie, as far as I remember. It just looked like a science fiction film. So uh, we went in there, and I remember being very scared because I was, like, young. And there was, it was probably the first time I experienced a movie that had a ton of jump st- scares in a movie theater. Um, so I remember I was just probably not ready for the movie <laughs> when I saw it. And... Uh, yeah, I don't think my mom liked it either. <laughs> but yeah, this is my first time watching it since then, though. Yeah, um, well, I, I saw it and really did not like it. So I obviously didn't watch it again until it, I had to for, for this. Mm-hmm. And then we delayed the recording. And it was two weeks of a delay because we ended up putting it to the end of the season rather than what it was going to be. And well, as a we result... Well, three out on a certain day. Yeah. yeah. So, so as a result, it was too long to just like do from there. I had to just watch it again, right? Or both of us did. But, mm-hmm. um, so I've just seen it three times, 
and I can undeniably say I hate it. <laughs> I hate so many things about it, and we're going to get into it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold up very well. Uh, I do. Uh, I don't know. I don't have the hatred for it that you do. There are parts of it that I'm like, oh, that's not obviously that's not good, or that's a plot hole, or I don't really care about this. Or, why, is, those... why are they so mean? I, I don't understand. <laughs> but then, like, uh, you know, I don't. I don't think that all of it is really bad. There's a, there's a couple of good parts, I think, and in um, like the sci-fi stuff, I don't I don't mind. Kind of reminds me of a lot of other movies. I knew you were gonna say Aliens like right away, but like there's a lot uh, of other that, movies. That's not that's that not even the first. It's trying to be. That is not the first one I'd say though. The first one I would say is The Shining, honestly. But, yeah, Shining. Uh, but well, yeah, we'll get into all the things that it's kind of ripping off and. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong necessarily with ripping off. If you're going to make a, like a hodgepodge of different things that the, 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 the creators care about, that's fine. But in terms mm. of my hatred, though, like, but you know, because you said you don't have the same hatred for it, like, I, I do think it's this concoction of multiple things. One, I really don't like Paul W. S. Anderson, and I don't yeah. like how his characters. Not that he wrote the script for this, but it still feels like one of his scripts, even though he didn't. <laughs> but um, I don't like his characters and how he writes, how he directs uh, stories. And then on top of that, it's also full of like really generic supernatural horror tropes that i really don't like most of the time there are exceptions mm-hmm. where they work and like the right director you know maybe stanley kubrick for example uh can pull them off and do something with them that feels genuinely creepy uh but this actually shows a lot more with like ah oh, just all these random things and we're just expected to care because this 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 uh, i think sam neill's character we can't really talk about much of it because spoilers but i will say his character arc is a complete mess and doesn't work uh like where his character goes later in the film i don't think has arrived at (laughs) at all um through the story so that's always Mm. been a bit of a problem for me is i I just feel this complete swerve uh well even a swerve i can kind of see that they wanted to build to it but it kind of feels like they skipped half the story to get there um there's a point where i just felt like oh wait we're there okay i guess we'll skip to that part (laughs) of his character story uh but so that's a problem. Uh, so I think you mix those things together. You mix my, my dislike of a lot of what this is doing in terms of its tropes, and then my Paul W.S. Anderson and his characters. You mush them together, and you have something that on paper... This is the thing. On paper, the premise. I love stories about the mysterious, like, this ship is derelict now. Something killed the crew. We have to go on board and investigate why. I love shit like that. Of course. Uh, Who would it? It's great. Um, you know, it, it reminds me it's of, like obviously... Dead Space, obviously this came later, but there's a, one of the early episodes of Firefly is actually this kind of premise where they find a ship that's been attacked by Reavers. Uh, and they don't know that at first, but when they're going through and they're like seeing what happened to them, it's like, oh shit, we know what happened here, this was Reavers. And it's, you know, it's a cool thing. Um, like, I, I, I dig those types of stories. Uh, this is something that on paper, the, the broad premise does appeal to me, and I was hopeful going in to watch it the first time I did, even though I knew I didn't like Paul W.S. Anderson. And but everything that he does, every creative choice he makes, I pretty much dislike. Uh, and all the things that him and his writer like, are doing to try and make his characters come off as cool, I basically want to shove them all out the airlock constantly. Yeah, anytime there's a there's a, a cool guy dialogue, and it's always the same person in this film, um, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually the worst part of the film. Yeah, I don't like his characters. Like he's, cause it's funny because when we talked about AVP, 
I was obviously comparing it to Aliens a lot, who's trying to do the ensemble cast, but I think he's actually trying to do it in this as well. Like, I think he's clearly trying to do a Colonial Marine-style, like, group and camaraderie. You know, it's not the exact one-to-one, but I think that is definitely some of the inspiration here. Uh, it's probably why he got the job for AVPs, because he made this movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was going to joke early on about how, like, I can't wait for you to bring up how Paul W.S. Anderson is just trying to do aliens with Colonial Marines on board. <laughs> but you jumped to it, so I couldn't do the joke. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, but he has to... <laughs> like, I'm saying it because it's true. <laughs> Look, it, the movie is... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about it. They took the, the scripts for aliens, maybe even the first alien, The Shining, From Beyond, and Hellraiser, and threw them into a blender. And this is the movie that came out. And they went by the set of Jurassic Park and kidnapped Sam Neill. Yes. <laughs> and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, but The Matrix hadn't come out yet, so he wasn't, like, the star that, you know, he was about to become. I mean, no, it wasn't he known, could have been, though. But... but he turned down the role of Jules. Ah, yeah. For no, a I mean, Obviously, he was in things before. I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't in anything before then. You know, go back to Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. He's in that, baby. King but of New York, it's a great movie. He's in King of New York, but yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, so he's obviously in things before then, but you know, he be- like he became a star because of the Matrix. Like Morpheus is his role. Well, that's what catapulted yeah. him to like you know everyone knows who he is because of that movie. Yeah, uh, unless you're Pee Wee fans, then he's Cowboy Curtis. Because <laughs> I mean, hell, it's the first thing I saw him in. The, mm-hmm. You know, and then I you know went and saw his other stuff you know later. Um, but. Yeah, uh, so he's definitely the co-star of this film. No, he's billed as such. Uh, Sam Neill is the star, and um, there's a couple of faces I kind of recognise. Uh, the I think it's the pilot, the English guy, Son Pertwee. Um, it was bugging me what I knew him from. Now, f- for something close to this, he's in Dog Soldiers, which is a British horror movie. For something a bit more recent, he was actually Alfred on the Gotham TV show, but he's obviously mm-hmm. like you know 15, 20 years older, so he's got a bit of a different vibe uh, in that, but that's him and then the blonde lady uh julie richardson i've definitely seen in some things yeah oh yeah totally she's vanessa redgrave's kid um, oh really mm-hmm. she looks like her too i think uh but, yeah so she's uh but she i think she still acts too she's still in stuff oh for sure uh she's, she's Same going with to- the other woman the one um you know well i won't say but like the yeah. short-haired one well, just on Julia Richardson, she's going to be in the Sandman Netflix show, which is currently being made. So, yeah, she's still very actively working. But she was in The Patriot mm-hmm. with Mel Gibson. Love that movie. Um, also, with Jason Isaacs, who's in this film. And Jason Isaacs, she has the other person, obviously, I knew. Um, who's, who was on a Trek show. So, you know, that's his Captain fame. Everyone, everyone's <laughs> like, what about Harry Potter? He was in Harry Potter. <laughs> like, Yeah, I guess. Um <laughs> I mean, he's good in it, but, like, he's great in The Patriot. <laughs> uh, Patriot's a weird movie. I, I always kind of felt, because obviously Gibson did Braveheart first, and I always felt like yeah. The Patriot was, like, somewhat, like, someone in Hollywood went, wait, we want the American version of The Patriot, so, yeah. or Braveheart, so go go make The Patriot. <laughs> that's what it always felt like to me when that came that's, out. Yeah, that's why it's so great. Like, <laughs> the American flag is literally used as a murder weapon. <laughs> it's so America. I, I love it. Um, and the the great funny thing about all this is that he is neither Scottish or American. No, 
That's what's funny. That's what's funny about it. He's Australian, right? He is Australian. Yeah. If you go, go go watch the Ferdinand Max, which we'll do at some point for the show. Uh, he is well, yeah. he is Australian. Um, although I feel like he's probably got an American citizenship and all that by now. Well, I think he he might be like. He's Australian, but I think maybe he was born in the U.S. or oh, he really? was born there and came over to the U.S. because he has an American accent. Um, when he's acting, like or at, he has an American accent, like uh, with without acting. So like he mm. he needs, so he he must have. Uh, I don't know. That, it, may, that may be an intent. There is something kind of wishy washy about it. That him. may be an intentional thing though, because Christian Bale has an English accent when he's doing interviews and stuff, and he's Welsh. Oh, is he? Yeah. Well, he has to, otherwise no one will understand him. <laughs> so, you know, so maybe it's an intentional thing just to make sure everyone can understand him. Or, so, or maybe just that he was doing an American accent for so long that he... Yeah. yeah, I think... Oh, he was born in New York. Was he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, but I th I think he uh, went to Australia pretty young. Okay, so he moved to Australia then came back. Yeah, something like that. All right, okay. Okay, fair enough. I know uh, I've looked it up before. We'll we'll go into it when we do the Mad Max. Movie. Yes, yes. We'll actually look up, look up uh, what his his lineage is. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, long before the the sugar tits incident. Uh, we'll talk, <laughs> talk about his, his yeah, lineage. Yeah, I told you he was American. <laughs> <laughs> Sexist, um, bigoted. <laughs> it checks all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I mean, I know I shouldn't laugh because obviously it's horrible what he said, but there's something about. I mean, the, it was so long ago too. But there's something about the phrase "sugar test," which just I find really funny. I don't know. Well, sure. I don't know if it was invented from him, but I like... may not have been. Yeah, maybe it come from somewhere else. <laughs> but there's something about that phrase is really funny to me. Uh, much funnier than anything the characters say in this movie. I would agree with that. Not just a comedy, but there is definitely some attempts at one-liners and wisecracks and things yeah. like that. This movie also kind of wants to be Deep Blue Sea, although I think maybe there that was after this movie. But yeah, Deep Blue Sea was after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it still it wants to be it. <laughs> Joe, 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 I would like to talk about we can we can talk about in spoiler free is the sure. opening titles. Yeah, aren't they awful? They look so cheap. They're so cheap. It's doing this thing where they're sort of like flying towards the screen or they're zooming towards the screen. But what really bugged me, and there's like a sort of like, I don't know, like vortex behind them or something. But what really got me was like the techno music. Oh. <laughs> then the soundtrack that is playing yeah. over it. It's part of the score, I think. But they were going for this like mid-90s techno thing, which given, yeah, he also did Mortal Kombat and that had, the, you know, that's got quite a famous track that, you know, isn't Mortal bad for, for what it is, you know. It's great the, yeah. Um, I think Mortal Kombat song. I don't necessarily like the middle of it that much, but that opening little loop is great because it's, it's such a great build to tell show it's Mortal Kombat, and then from oh, there yeah. it's just generic dance stuff. But but that that opening bit sounds really good. Yeah, it's it's great uh, for if you need to drive fast, <laughs> but you know under the speed limit. Yeah, we we encourage it on Mashro Tower stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I had to mention the opening titles because it was one of the first things that I mean it's obviously it's just the first thing you see it's the first thing you hear you know it's, sure. it's, 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 it's the first impression it's just trying it makes. to get you pumped up for this you know violent horror film do you know the thing is though is that this movie by its nature should be slow paced at least till up to a point you know when they're sure. first like going, making the journey and they're going there and it is slower paced than later in the film, but one of the problems of the movie is that it's only 90-something minutes, and 
it does feel like it's probably at least 20 minutes too short because it's it's you know one of the things that would help the atmosphere and some of the character building would probably be a slower pace just to you know get to know them and really care about them I, a bit. I did see that the um like I think one the first thing on the trivia is like the movie was originally uh like 130 minutes or something and it had a lot more like grotesque imagery and a, a lot more had happened in it which probably mm. feels like you know some things just kind of happen quickly to some characters um or some decisions get made that feel kind of stupid um in the moment so uh but like test audiences and maybe some producers or something were like it's just too much it's too much violence for us or whatever and so they had to cut it out I, but I i'm think, curious to see what it is you know i mean if it I, is really like just too grotesque for a test audience you know i i'd like to see what that what that means <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm a fan of gore and stuff in movies but like i think it's interesting to me there that you're saying that that extra so 90 to 100 so actually like 35 minutes like give or take mm-hmm. is mostly because of violence and stuff when to me what i think it needs is the other stuff i think it needs more character building i think it needs a bit more atmosphere and like so essentially well, i'm so- sure like i'm sure it's like hey we need you to make this shorter and also we don't want all this oh yeah I- i'm not saying every single minute of it's that but i i think it's interesting though that i don't think what it needs is more violence and gore like like i didn't feel shortchanged by that in the movie and i'm not saying that there, sh- there can't be more like by all means but well, there there is like one um very short moment where you get to see like some pretty uh disturbing imagery and that moment i do like like it because it, it is showing quite a bit and you're like oh that's uh like yeah that is pretty grotesque so like if it's more of that kind of stuff it would have been at least more you know interesting i don't think it would have fixed the movie though and i'm and as much as i'm making this recommendation and saying that it needs to be slower paced it needs to do all these other things um, i don't think a longer cut from this creative team would be any better <laughs> like i feel like i just it'd be a longer movie that's just as bad <laughs> i mean maybe i just would be curious i don't want to watch it again so no i'm good <laughs> i don't care <laughs> i know we all know you hate him <laughs> i do i do it's my sworn enemy <laughs> he he butchered resident evil and then you know alien versus predator and then i had to sit through this so i i have i have nothing but veil in my heart <laughs> for for ws you never know he might watch this review i hope he does We support creative uh, people on this channel it's and their visions. He's not creative. Give us the movies that you he want to He doesn't have make. a vision. He doesn't have... He's, this, this is... Paul W.S. Arson is like the blind version of creative vision. <laughs> right? Sure. It is interesting how this movie actually does feel like on paper that it would be a very original concept, but like it also just feels like an amalgam of so many different movies. Oh yeah, there's another movie you didn't mention actually, uh, which, well, it's not ripping off this because it, it didn't come out yet, <laughs> but there's definitely some things in it that are a little Blair Witch, uh, and yeah, I'll point those out as well when we're talking about the actual, you know, the spoilers, but uh, there's definitely something, particularly Blair Witch too. There's a there's a scene in this that's very Blair Witch too. So I've seen that movie. It's garbage. <laughs> sure. Book of Shadows or something. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch too. Yes. That was, yeah. That's the film. Oh, that's a bad movie. 
Yeah, that that was one that was heavily should have interfered. Uh, apparently, there there was potentially something interesting to begin with, and then it got chopped and changed. And the studio just wanted a horror movie, and the director was trying to make some like real sat sat satirical like horror statement or something. Yeah, I remember the the acting in particular was just so horrendous in that film, and maybe it was because he was going to go for a satire originally. I don't remember. I mean, we did it for streams. We did them together for streams, you know, like just before the 2016 one came out. Yeah. So it's been a while. Uh, so I don't really remember too much. But uh, the one scene that I always, re- even from the first viewing of that movie that I always remember, is the scene that I'm reminded of in this. So, <laughs> uh, so we could talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, as far as the other stuff goes, because I really don't want to spoil anything, I will say that some of the set design. Um, I think is a little try-hard, uh, particularly the engine room in the Event Horizon, which has got like this, uh, you know, the the engines, this like big, you know, this like three rings that are spinning and all that. It's, for a, some, it's a Stargate, yeah. For some <laughs> reason, all of the rings that are spinning all have these spikes on them, and I'm like, what purpose do these spikes have other than the set designer was told to make it look edgy? Literally, <laughs> in this case, it's edgy. But, you know, like, what, what purpose does this have? Like, what? why is this... It, it, it's like it's like why does this room look like a, look like a torture to look chamber evil. yeah it looks evil but it's, it's not, it wasn't designed to look evil or it shouldn't have been designed to look evil <laughs> either things would be a certain way because it's a byproduct of what it's doing and that like creates a certain look or it would be very clinical because why would you you know give it design thoughts you know in terms of aesthetic that's not important let me ask you a very serious question okay is this movie better if it had the word Hellraiser in front of it? No, because I, I actually disagree that it's not Hellraiser. I think it's more really? shiny than... There's an actual line in this movie that is just straight from Hellraiser. Sure, sure, but I think it's way more shiny than Hellraiser. So I, I like, people call it Hellraiser in space. I think it's a bit of a... a, a just a cop-out. Well, they out. probably call it that because, like, I mean, other than what I just said, it, like, Aren't the Hellraiser sequels sort of known for just taking these scripts and putting Hellraiser in front of it? <laughs> and somehow getting Pinhead in the film? Yeah, yeah, a lot of the later sequels are like that, that's true. Yeah. But uh, Hellraiser had a movie in space. They already did that, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this is better. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that. That movie was terrible, but... It- there was there was some silliness to enjoy at times. I don't know. I think if you put the the word Hellraiser in front of the title, I think it works, and maybe swap out a couple of characters for it to be appropriate. Um, I think it would have been kind of a neat sequel to you know a bunch of trash sequels and a couple of good ones. Okay, that implies that you actually think this is decent then. So I suppose I never asked the question, Tara. What do you think of Event Horizon? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, kimsi kimsa. <laughs> Aye, so decent was a bit of a stretch there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I, I mentioned, like, there are things that I like about it, but there are a lot of things that I dislike about it. Hmm. hmm. Well, we'll, we'll see what those, those things are that you like about it. Well, I sort of already mentioned one. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I'm being a bit hostile for the, for the walls, but it, it's... I just I find this movie very unlikable 
pretty much right away like there's no character interactions that i enjoy and that's usually one of the things in this type of movie that like wins you over to begin with so you can feel bad when they all start having horrific things mm -hmm. happening to them and dying and so on and so on is that you care about the connections you're rooting for someone to survive and i found myself not rooting for anyone in this i, I you know i didn't care I like about anyone. Pilot. okay i like jason uh, isaac <laughs> You want to say Clark, then you want to say Jason Clark. I can see it in your eyes. I was like, is that a real name, Jason Isaacs? I don't know. <laughs> I just said it earlier. <laughs> Jason Voorhees. That would have made this movie better. Jason just murdered them instead. That would have made it better. I mean, they did that. It was called Jason X. Way better movie than this. That's where the Event Horizon went to Crystal Lake came back <laughs> <laughs> um, J J yeah jason x is way better than this movie oh god i mean it's not a good movie yeah but i like jason x but it's way more entertaining come on jason x is a blast oh, it's got uh, some great kills yeah yeah uh <laughs> so i mean i guess we're ready to go great spoilers so we can actually start talking about everything yeah, and, i think so uh all that stuff actually one final spoiler free thing because i can mention this is some of like Whenever there's no gravity, the horrendous CG objects floating around. Holy <laughs> they shit, they look terrible. <laughs> they look bad, but they're not as bad as some of the other ones from this year, even. I mean, like, the year this movie came out. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Well, examples? What were you thinking of? Uh, like, Lost in Space is pretty notoriously bad. That was a year later, I think you'll find. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> it doesn't necessarily it's worse <laughs> devalue your point but i'm just <laughs> i believe that was 98 uh yeah i can't think of other 97 movies with bad cg i mean obviously like you know i'm thinking like, look at like men in black had decent cg for its time you know for mm -hmm. example that was this year uh but some of the cg like objects you know and it's just it's, you know, it's just simple stuff like cups and things that are floating around uh, yeah, yeah. and with no gravity they and kind it, of have that alien 3 problem where they just look a little bit like they're um they, i mean they, they they don't they're not lit properly mm. so so that it fits in the scene you know they look superimposed and it, and it happens enough throughout the film that you're reminded of it every so often you know mm -hmm. there's all these little examples another example of bad cg is uh and this is right at the start so i don't know this is a spoiler because it's a, you get this in a dream sequence right at the start is you see someone without eyes but the eye sockets are CG, and that mm -hmm. looks really bad. So, and it's kind of punching, you know, below the waist a little bit to just, like, bring up bad effects from a long time ago, but it... Like, other movies would dangle things on strings. Like, you didn't have to do it with CG in 1997, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? There were other options uh, to, to, to handle some of this stuff. Well, you know, they had to walk so that... Other movies could run. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I, we'll I talk about it more when we do Tron, uh, whatever it is. Tron Legacy. Tron Legacies. <laughs> I think the only thing that's George bothers me about it is obviously there's a lot of really bad CG in movies, like all the way up until just now. These really cheap movies, and I might even just talk about Asylum, but other things that have really bad effects in them. But I think the difference between a lot of those and stuff from this like time period. Is that I get the feeling that in 1997 when they were putting these in, they they were they were thinking, oh, this is great, we're doing this with CG, this is like yeah. the advanced technology, aren't we hot shots? And I think like the delusion into thinking that this is better because it's CG, because that's the hot new thing to use at the time, instead of doing it a traditional way, pisses me off. 
because if you just made the decision if you just said you know what no we can achieve a better end result with look, a different they method made, they made a dinosaur look great and realistic in like what four years before this yeah but this isn't jurassic park and they can't to, they can't do a cup and to, and to be fair <laughs> jurassic park though like it's like if you watch jurassic park now and we have because we did it a couple of years ago uh the CG does. Like, you can tell when it's CG and not the practical. You can t- you can tell the switch. It's very obviously when it's CG. It's a little blurry by today's standards. I mean, it's good for the time. For 1993, it was you know, like whereas this Incredible. is not this is not great for the time though. This this would I guess might have been not as terrible at the time because people weren't used to seeing CG as often. But this was not even good at the time, and now it's just laughable. And like, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this and uh, two years prior, the, the other example I always think of is the the Zord fight from the end of the Power Rangers movie in 1995. The CG in that is, oh. Well, I mean, I watched some uh, some Neil Breen masterpieces uh, <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. So, like, CGI has not improved that much. <laughs> if you're just judging by the Breen screen effects <laughs> the brain street tara i don't think someone making a movie on a 25 dollar budget counts as an example of what cg can do today why do you have to commit suicide why do you have to do it why do you have to commit suicide <laughs> uh, at, at least tell about that movie at least tell me the character you're saying that to is already dead please tell me he's dead <laughs> allegedly allegedly <laughs> I love the idea of someone kneeling going, why did you allegedly commit suicide? Why did you allegedly commit suicide? <laughs> All right. That's, that's good. Uh, one day I was we'll... really, really proud of the term green screen. I don't know if anyone else has used it, but I wanted to bring that up. We should be proud of it. I'm actually quite impressed. It's very good. <laughs> I'm being sincere. That's good. He gets right up to that eagle and gives it a big hug. <laughs> all right uh we're alienating everyone who has no idea who neil breen is uh he is a, a writer director actor who makes his own movies he is terrible at all of his jobs and he's got an ego the size of tommy wiseau's i don't know maybe bigger than that I, I, william like... shatter <laughs> it may be bigger the, the fact that it said Whoa. william shatter was actually a star in a hit tv show though where <laughs> neil breen is just an eagle for no reason which is what's, what's amazing about it google youtube neil breen have a look at some of his clips you'll be wowed beyond your belief and uh go from there all right let's get into spoilers then spoilers for event horizon from this point on you have been warned so the film uh generally opens up with sam neil waking up uh in a nightmare uh you know he's he doesn't see the eye socket lady yet, or I say the eye socket lady, it's his dead wife, but like, that's what I was calling her in my head, the whole movie was the eye socket lady. Uh, but he wakes up in a nightmare, because he's in like the event horizon, but then he wakes up and he's on just some space station, uh, and we hear his name get called out, he's going on a mission, and then we cut straight to the event horizon. Sorry, no, no, sorry. I, I, the Lewis I'm, and Clark. I'm going, to, I'm going to do this a lot, as I keep accidentally calling the ship that they're going on to the event horizon, the event horizon, it's not, it's the Lewis and Clark. But uh, not the Lois and Clark, because I made me that mistake as well, for obvious Superman fan reasons. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah. Uh, but we cut to the, the, the Lois and Clark, and we're introduced to Lawrence Fishburne's character and the crew, 
and they're all kind of fast talking sam neil can't get a word on edgewise and they're not actually even going to have their meeting and this is the very aliens part because they're aliens after they wake up from the cryo sleep they have the big like meeting like in, in the you know where the, where the, the drop ship is and all that and mm-hmm. that's where they have the thing they kind of do that here except it's more like alien one and it's around the cafeteria table where they have their speech but that's where they finally let Samuel explain why they're out here and it's, you know, it's this super classified mission and it's like, well, we found the signal. The event horizon, it went missing, but there was more to it than that. It was testing, you know, faster than light technology. And one of the first big warning signs of this movie is these characters with the scientist who is here because he's an expert in this stuff, immediately go, but you can't... I mean, I, I'm okay with the, the pilot saying but that's not possible. You can't do that. I'm okay with him saying that. But then Blonde Lady ju- jumps in and tries to explain to this physicist why it's not possible. And I think he knows. I think he knows why you think it's not possible. <laughs> I love that he has to keep dumbing down the explanation. Layman's terms, please. <laughs> well, he, he says, that's the thing. He says layman's terms and then uses a lot of science words, which clearly no one understands. Yeah. What, he says singularity and all these uh, astronauts are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, now obviously. Okay, we, Mr. Scientist. <laughs> right before 90s alien season, we did Interstellar, which also had this moment, right? Yeah. But something about Sam Neill doing the fold the paper and put the pencil through it to show how a, how a wormhole works and like traveling mm-hmm. across space and time it was just kind of like why is this so much more lame in this <laughs> <laughs> it's so, I, I, think, I, I do remember when I saw this in the theater being fascinated by this part yeah, do you know what I think it is I, I think it's because of the setup and because I was so annoyed about how the characters were questioning him and I'm like you guys travel in space. I feel like this should be less, like, insane to you, what he's talking about. Like, right. Especially since you were trying to fight him on it, like, as soon as he started talking about Everybody it. Everybody is super rude to him, and I don't understand why. Like, Lawrence Fishburne especially is, like, like mean to him. Like, why is he so mean to this guy? Like, okay, I get it. He does say, like... Oh, we were supposed to be on leave, but, you know, mm-hmm. we were drawn back in for one more mission because you had to go visit your dead wife's ship or whatever. It was not her ship, but, like, you know what I mean? You had to go, yeah, the wife was go dead on this mission. Separately. The wife was dead long before yeah. <laughs> Event Horizon. Yeah. But you're saying that because he sees his dead wife walking about occasionally with the eye sockets missing. Or, well, the eye sockets are there, but the eyes are missing. Yeah. Hence, so I'm saying eye socket lady, you're saying Event Horizon lady. <laughs> okay, we'll establish this. Yes. <laughs> she she is the ship. No, don't confuse it cuz that's that's not, there's something else. I'm only I'm only I'm only pulling you up in this because they actually say that the ship is like alive later and I don't want to confuse it by suggesting that that's actually a theory. Yep. Cuz it isn't. It's yeah. Okay. It's the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> that's what the event right. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Um so uh, yeah, so everything about this scene is just really unpleasant. Like, this is the scene that I'm supposed to... Because if you think of aliens, right? And I know it's it's a bit cruel comparing it to aliens. It's a bit cruel. But you think of that scene in Aliens where Ripley's trying to tell them about what she saw, what the xenomorph is, and mm. they're challenging her because it sounds unbelievable. But you think of the banter that these characters have with each other, the, how they crack jokes at each other, and, like, you're kind of, like, starting to like Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez because of the way they're they're bouncing off of each other. Here, they all just start being mean to him. 
so they all just come off as mostly being kind of mean and be like oh yeah. you asshole you brought us out here <laughs> like which confused me as well because i'm like wait is this a military vessel because you don't seem like military to me also like are they yeah are they in in aliens like they're just hitching a ride right like but the but these guys like this is their ship isn't it like they all seem to know the ship they're all engineers. yeah i, I think all... it's it's, it's Lawrence fishburne's ship and then everyone else like is his regular crew who work with them you know they're employees of his effectively i think with with dog tags so they're all like military so yeah maybe it is military but they never that that's really the dog tags and the line that we were supposed to be on leave is really the only time it feels like a military thing other than that it just feels like a ragtag group of misfits who got this job because yeah reasons um so maybe that's a complaint in the like just the the characterization and the 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 movie really setting a foundation for what this team actually is but you know um yeah, so and we have a you know we have a lot of similar scenes of like aliens where they're waking up at the pods. Although it's not cryosleeping this, they explain it in this more as um, the body can't handle the speed the ship's going at. It would liquefy your bones, so you have to go into a water you know a, a fluid filled tank, and you know that that's what helps. It's you like the abyss um, reasoning. You have to go into the water so that the pressure doesn't kill you. I mean that, that the abyss thing is more just based on some truth. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is also kind of based on truth, but that's just, I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure this is just nonsense. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but... Uh, oh, maybe it's true, I don't know. But it, it reminded me of the abyss. But but that's... But, I mean, yeah, pressure and depressurizing when you're coming back up from the deep is, is a real thing. Like, that's not just the abyss making up a, a movie rule. Yeah, but doesn't the abyss have it where you, like, have to inhale water, This this whatever this fluid is, oxygenated water or whatever oh yeah but that's gonna need like deep stuff that it is obviously just for the movie that's like yeah that that's the, the in the movie they said there's like oh hey we've got maybe an alternate way of dealing with that and obviously that's all fictional but like oh, that's sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, i'm just saying you, the the actual idea is not like it's just, i know you don't want me to compare this movie to the abyss but like especially since <laughs> i can't I've not help seen, think about it okay i've not seen the abyss in like 15 to 20 years because there's not a got proper copy of it to watch because it's in <laughs> shit quality so I, I don't want to have to sit here and defend a movie that i've not seen in that long and i know i love it <laughs> you don't need to defend it i'm just saying that this one aspect reminded me of this thing they did in the abyss to help with the pressure <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> do you know what that reminded me of? Actually, is uh, he stopped doing it now? But for one, every once in a while, after Interstellar came out, whenever Matt wanted to explain like time acting differently, he'd always say, "As we learned in Interstellar, as if Interstellar taught the world that, as, as if that's where it came from." <laughs> you saying, "Oh, that's the abyss rule that you have to like, you know, think about the pressurization where you're going underwater." <laughs> one day we'll talk about the abyss. I hope it's this year. Come on, that 4K release is happening. Come on. His next announcement. It's all right. Jim Cameron's next movie is literally water-based, okay? He's doing underwater on Pandora. It's time to release The Abyss in proper quality. It is time. Maybe the movies are linked. Uh Maybe it's a shared universe. I mean... I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> I won't complain. Uh, but anyway, anyway, so, yeah, the characters all come off kind of, so like, like I was saying though, when they're waking up out the tubes, 
Uh, it's very, it's a lot like when they're waking up in aliens and they're all like saying things to each other. You know, someone comes up and tries to offer him coffee. That's kind of the wisecracking guy on the on the crew. Um, he flirts with one of the the yeah. ladies that's there, blonde lady that's there. Like you know, all all these little moments that they're trying to build the characters up. And I'm not trying to like get you know say bad things because it's trying to give them some character. It's good that it's trying to give them some character because some movies wouldn't. Some movies that are even worse than this wouldn't even do that. But you know, you want them to be likable. Well, some of them need to be likable. You want to be written for some of them, but it it comes off, I guess, a little bit try-hard and thin in places. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of little things, like, you know, when they're getting close to the event horizon and they can hear, like, a, a message that was being sent out. And as an inconvenient that Jason Isaacs can speak some Latin <laughs> so he can translate a little bit. <laughs> I think it's pretty inconvenient that no one knew to translate the Latin before. <laughs> <laughs> before they went on this journey um oh but did they get the message before i i think i i think i I'm thought sure they did i think i thought they only got it once they were close enough so it's not like it but if you're right and they had it on earth before they left then yeah why didn't someone translate it that's what i thought maybe maybe yeah. i'm wrong but well i'm not sure though i'm, I'm like i'm like <laughs> i was surprised like wait he's the only one who recognized the latin like you know i watched it again today right but you know just a few hours ago but i'm not gonna lie i don't like the movie and it was kind of a refresh so i i might have not always been looking at the screen on the second watch okay sure. yeah. <laughs> so, so i might not have quite picked up on the minutia of that a little bit but um yeah uh so well hopefully you're right and i'm wrong because otherwise the scene doesn't make very much sense at all yes but if you're right then the movie's even stupider and i'm okay with that <laughs> Well, you really hate this guy. <laughs> uh, so the big thing, though, is they're getting towards the ship is that Sam Neill cares about his ship. He cares about finding out what happened to it. Obviously, when he says it disappeared when they turned on the, the gravitational engine thingamabob that creates a, a wormhole, it's like, okay, clearly it went somewhere and now it came back. And it's, that's, what, that's what the mystery is. So we're going to go and explore it. Um, the big thing with his character throughout a lot of the early half of the movie would be that he keeps insisting that he go. He keeps insisting that things aren't dangerous, even though it clearly nearly kills one of them. Um, mm-hmm. He clearly he keeps insisting on various things, and it, it and this is the problem. So even Sam Neill comes off as kind of unlikable because he, he he does sound really one note and like whiny about everything because he keeps saying, "Captain, I need to be on that ship. I need to go with you. I'm not staying back here." And instead of making his like Sam Neill, so that when he he sort of makes his turn as the film's going on. So it's like a tragedy. It's kind of this thing where I, I already just found him unlikable. So now that he's just going down this darker path, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. I guess. I mean, I never really found him that unlikable. I thought it was more that that Fishburne was unlikable for just being a total dick to him the whole time. I mean, this is this is really his mission. This is Sam Neill's mission to go out there. He needs to get to the core. He needs. He knows the ship, so it would make sense that he would go. I mean, Fishburn feels like he's just running a tight ship and he's not like, you know, it feels like he's doing things by the book. He has a good reason for him staying back in the ship and things like that. I think the problem with Sam Neill's character for me is that, okay, obviously it's going different places than Aliens, right? Because he's going to take this like dark turn and do all these things. So it's different once you get to that point. But imagine if in Aliens, we didn't like Ripley, right? Because Ripley's very much a conduit in that film. Uh, and okay yeah there's a previous film we, we care about her from but 
Ripley's our conduit where no matter what anything else going on, we're kind of on her side. And it works in the context of that movie because as she's been introduced to all these characters, she's learned about them, so we're learning about them with her, and so on and so forth. In this movie, our main character is Sam Neill, effectively. And as he is interacting with these characters, it just becomes more and more disputes as the film goes on. No one really is on his side. He's constantly clashing with them. You know, it comes to blows at one point because he's sort of talking down to them. And I think you know, that's the point where he really becomes unlikable is when, you know, the one, the wisecracking guy, when he sees uh, the the first guy who gets, the young guy who gets injured by like going into the black hole and coming back out of it. And I say black hole, it's, it's more of a portal, but you know, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Because uh, that's what happens when they first go out of the ship and they're snooping around in the suits. Uh, he goes into it, he touches it, and it's like water almost, and then he goes into it, and then he comes back out. The wisecracking guy saw some of this, and he tries to say, I saw him go into it and come back. And Sam Neill's like, well, you didn't. That's not possible. And Joey's, Joey's being, he's being the Atlov in Chernobyl. He's being, no, that's not possible. You didn't see it. There's no graphite on the roof. That's what he's yeah. being in this scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. But, I mean, his point is that if or in order for the, the core to be activated it has to turn on but no one's been here in a long time so like it can't turn on by itself uh, but it got so back his, the- his reasoning is sound well it's not because it got back the ship got back so something turned it on and if the crew oh. have been dead for a long time then clearly something made it turn on okay yeah well maybe you're right so so he's wrong <laughs> sam neil's wrong no offense sam neil you seem like a lovely guy well maybe i, I mean it could be that i don't think that he's unlikable just because he is Sam Neill and I like him so much from other movies. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think that's my problem with it though is I do think he's so likable in Jurassic Park and in this right from the get-go he's got this unlikable tinge to him and he just keeps getting more unlikable. And then when he eventually takes his, you know, I've gone crazy and I am now, you know, one with the evil force that has possessed the ship or whatever, you know, there's a line like two thirds into the movie where everyone else just wants to abandon the place and leave and go home. And Lawrence Fishburne, because this place at this point has proven that it's dangerous and it's doing all these spooky things, he's like, I'm going to blow this thing up. But as we leave, mm-hmm. so it can't harm anyone else. So whatever, whatever's happened to this ship it has to be just, you know, nuked from orbit effectively to use borrow a line. And Sam Neill, you know, when he says, you know, Lawrence Fishburne says to him, you know, you better collect your things and get on our ship or you're going to be walking home. And Sam Neill just like backs into the darkness and says, I am home. And that's the, that is the moment for me where this movie unequivocally falls apart because you did not set this up enough for me where it landed. I just went, well, you're at this yeah, point now? I mean, <laughs> I thought this scene was kind of funny just because they're basically in the uh, umbilicus of the, sh- the two ships that are connected. And so it's just like a tube that they're in, a big hallway. Oh, no, that's not... Goes, that's not I a... am whole, and then he, home, and he, like, backs away into the darkness, but, like, we know where he is. Yeah, that's not the connection. Hiding. That's not the connection between the two ships. That is a part of the event horizon, because it's the part that they're... Because there's, like, bombs in it to blow up in case they want to make the front part mm-hmm. act like a lifeboat. So, because they explain it earlier on in the film, they talk about how oh, okay, okay. the engines... But it is, like, a, a, a giant hallway that they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, you're right. It's a big, long thing, but it's... The idea is that the, the engine and the dangerous parts are all at one end, and then all of the like the flying and crew mm-hmm. areas are all at the other end. Uh, and it's designed so they can like separate it. And although I'm like, if you're going to build it to be separatable, why not just make it so it can actually separate? Why? Why? Why, why is your great plan to just plant explosives? Because mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, the Enterprise, like, the saucer coming off the other part. Like, why not just build it to be detachable? Oh, you mean that thing they did in the pilot and then, like, never brought up again? No, they did it, they did it at least once or twice more. Yeah. It was always, like, it was established to be this big thing that the ship can do. It has two parts now. Since there's families on board, you can have a battle stations and, like, a big, you know, life raft, essentially. Like, not everything that seems like a great idea when you're writing the pilot ends up being something you're going to use that much, okay? That's true. <laughs> right, they found a couple of reasons to use it, I think. And it was earlier. It was, like, season one and two, they found a couple of reasons. And it's been nothing since. And been one nothing of the since. movies. And one of the yeah. movies, sure. Uh, but that, I think that's it. But, yeah. <laughs> hey. But, yeah, anyway, so that's the thing. So they're going to blow blow the whole place up. And I think Lawrence Fishburne wants to, like, sort of redistribute them to just blow up everything so that all of it's gone. <laughs> Because uh, the big thing is, is that when they first go on the Event Horizon and they're poking in around and the guy gets injured because he gets pulled in and he comes back and he's in like a sort of burn the cat- catatonic state. Um, when this happens, it's like a shockwave hits like through the ship and it actually da- does a lot of damage to their ship, the, the Lewis and Clark. And a couple of the characters spend most of the rest of the movie just outside the ship patching it up so they can fly their ship home mm-hmm. uh, eventually. So well, that's what they're doing. Obviously, that's not... It doesn't go to plan as you may expect <laughs> you know it's, and it's when they're walking around the event horizon that you know and this is the stuff that we're just going to roll into one big ball and just talk about the various examples but sure. each of the characters see someone or something related to their past uh, in a ghost-like form that is starting to make them go crazy and uh, you know for sam neill it's his ex-wife who committed suicide uh, uh for the short-haired woman, it's like she sees her son who's, like, sick or died uh, around the ship. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, he sees, like, a, someone that was, like, a close, like, you know, comrade, and he had to let burn because he was in, like, a damaged part of the ship, and he had to just let him die. Uh, so it's this tragic choice from his past that he has to remember, mm-hmm. this burned man. Uh, so, they're, they're, I mean, not everyone has their own specific thing, but those are, like, the three bigger ones that I can think of. Those are the three big examples. Um... Jason Isaacs has, like, a scar down the center of his body. Do we remember what that was all about? Or is that probably linked to a dis- deleted scene? I'm trying to remember. Maybe there was a line when he was talking to uh, Sam Neill near the start or something where he mentioned something mm. that, that would be related to that scar. I can't remember. Me neither. And I watched it again this morning. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, he has some sort of um, trauma with that, which comes back in this film. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then, uh, and then like the young guy, Baby Bear, Baby. has uh, he the one he's the one who gets sucked in in the beginning, yes. and then when he comes when he reappears, uh, has clearly seen some you know some dark stuff, and is not is unable to like comprehend what he has seen or to, to even keep living. Yeah, I think that's just which was reminding me of the Hellraiser stuff too. I guess his name is Justin, the young guy. Just so we got a name to give him. Yeah, they, uh, the the short-haired girl always calls him Baby Bear. I'm, I'm looking at these names, and I, like, I reckon, like, none of them are ringing a bell. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really, like, the blonde lady Stark. I feel like I would have remembered that. Stark? Yeah, that doesn't even ring a bell. <laughs> I mean, I'm not usually good at remembering names from, from movies and shows. It, it takes a lot to get me to remember them. But usually when I look at the IMDb list, they ring a bell. Like, oh, yeah, I remember them saying well, that a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, Stark is, you know, Tony Stark, the, yeah. the House Stark from Game of Thrones. Like, that's it's a big, 
you know, it's a big name in pop culture. You think you would remember that one? Yeah. I mean, could you tell me what Lawrence Fishburne's character's name is with it looking? Fish. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I call him? Uh, it's Miller. Uh, is there a Cooper? Someone there is a Cooper. Cooper? Uh, the wisecracking guy. He was Cooper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jason Isaacs was DJ. I did not get DJ vibes from Jason Isaacs. <laughs> no. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, so I, I think this is one of the things I don't like uh, in a lot of supernatural horror movies is just the random ghost things happening because a lot of them, especially when they're, they're accompanied with a lot of quick cuts, and this movie likes to do the music video thing where there's a lot of quick cuts to things mm-hmm. happening. Um, you know, there's not a lot of long, uninterrupted takes or anything like that, and the editing style feels a bit more frenetic and maybe that's part of it being cut down but it also matches paul ws harrison's other films so i don't think that's him being forced to do that i think i think that's just what the editing style was anyway it was just more of it <laughs> in the longer okay. cut would be my guess so it know. does it does have that feel not just of his films but like movies of this time that weren't like good mm. <laughs> you know oh for sure yeah I, it's worth mentioning you know when when we were watching this for the first time not ever but when we were watching it for the first time for the show a couple of weeks ago when tara was watching it she sent me a message maybe like half hour out of the film and said hey did the same guy who did alien versus predator direct this and i went <laughs> yes <laughs> you could tell because <laughs> it does feel like the same director you feel a lot of the same between yeah. the characters the visual look and kind of the the way the characters interact with each other, it just feels like the same director. You can just tell. Yeah, movies kind of took a dip in quality for a little while, I think. But with it wasn't, the, uh, it wasn't with, all with movies, the, with though. The, with, with the... I guess when the... When CGI was introduced to blockbusters and they weren't quite ready for it yet, I think that's when there was a little bit of dip in quality. I mean, the I, dramas were fine. I disagree. I think there was just as many good movies in this period as any other period. And well, maybe not horror. Horror had a pretty rough time in the 90s. But I-, I think there's plenty of great science fiction in this era. It's just... There's a lot of notable big stinkers. Yeah, The the Matrix were a couple of, was a couple of years later. But... Gattaca was this year. Mm, that's a good one. Not really CGI heavy, though. Well, yeah, not all sci-fi CGI. I mean, it's a, it's a sci-fi concept, but it's more of a drama. <laughs> all right, okay. <laughs> Defending you know this mean? Like, point to well, the I death. I mean, like, movies, uh, you know, Emmerich was around this time, too. Sure, okay, like... sure, yeah. The, the, <laughs> there, there was definitely a couple of big notable directors and stuff who were turning out some shite, right? There's, there's no yeah. denying that. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I, I worked in the movie theater um, not too long after this, and, like, you know, the movies that came out at that time were, I don't remember a lot of great ones, you know, that that were, like, heavy on the CG. Sure. sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's, like, like, anything that's riding the trends usually is mostly bad, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the trendsetters that the good things. So I think that's true of any time period, and I think it's true here as well. Like, you know, the reason why a lot of these CG movies were made is because Jurassic Park was good. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, other movies sure. like it were good. So, um, you know, not that I'm saying this is inspired by. I'm not saying that because Sam Neill. I'm just I'm using that as the example because of CG. Like, I would I would say Jurassic Park and Terminator Two are why we got a lot of CG things in the nineties that were really trying mm-hmm. to push it. Um, and obviously it's got practical use, which is why it kept going further. But obviously, 
good movies with good CG is a very different beast entirely. You know, it takes time and money to do good CG. Uh, yeah. And no doubt it was harder to do good CG in the 90s just because the technology probably was a bit too, you know, primitive by comparison. But Yeah, and I didn't get my first job till 2001, but, like, that's when I worked in the theatre, but... Mm. Just in time for the first Fast and the Furious movie. I think it was just after that. My first uh, big blockbuster movie was the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I, w- I was just making a joke because it was the first movie I could think of from 2001. That was bad. Like, I can think of good movies from 2001. That's that's easy. But <laughs> Yeah, and I had a, f- a friend that I worked with and she gave me her copy of... Or she loaned it to me to watch of Fast and the Furious and I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. Oh shit! Yeah, don't don't bother. I think I gave it back to her like a year later with an <laughs> apology. Of, I'm sorry, I didn't watch it. I just can't. I hate cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, they, like, what sort of we're talking about all these spooky stuff. I suppose we should talk a bit more about that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think because the other thing that goes along with the spooky shit and how it's filmed, not being to my taste is the constant people not believing what anyone saw. And usually in supernatural horror movies, it's usually a husband who's at work all day who doesn't mm-hmm. believe his wife. Oh, you're just being a woman. You didn't see a ghost. You're just, you're just, you're too flustered. There's too much stress moving house. Cause we just move. Cause they always just moved because you know, ghosts, mm-hmm. they moved into a haunted house. Um, so scenes where Sam Neill's like saying, nah, you're delusional. You didn't see anything. You know, I keep remember After to- he's had visions of his wife. even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, eventually Lawrence Fishburne sees the Burning Man from his past, and uh, conveniently Sam Neill doesn't see it, <laughs> so he still doesn't really believe it's happening. But at this point, they're like, no, what, no, like, four or five of us now have all seen something. So clearly there's something to do with this ship that is making us see these things, whether or not they're really there or not, but we're all experiencing something. So it's like, okay, it's time to get everything fixed and leave. Yeah, um, I don't hate the scene with the airlock, um, with the guy who comes back from Justin, the, uh, baby bear. Yeah, baby bear. <laughs> when he goes to the airlock and he's like somewhat possessed, but also just still horrified by the images he saw and like is um, purposely trying to blow himself out of the airlock so that he can uh, die. Yeah, he, he so yeah, he's, he's kind of like possessed. He goes into the airlock and he sets up the thing and they're like banging through the window because he, he's been basically catatonic up until this point and he's, he's gotten up and mm-hmm. the, the short-haired woman comes in and is like, oh, he's gone, where is he? And they find him in the airlock and he's possessed and then all of a sudden the possession goes away and it's like he's actually let, he's allowed to be himself to experience and realize he's about to like go into space and die. Yeah, and the depressurizing is doing things to his body, like even before it opens uh, into space. Yeah, which, uh, which I remember vividly watching it in the theater, going like I I hadn't seen like a disturbing image like that before of like him like grabbing his face and blood's coming out of his eyes and stuff. And yeah, I, like I'm no expert. I'm fairly certain all of this is nonsense. But, sure, but like yeah. you know, if you don't know any better, then it's like ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they do say one there's one true thing they do say they say something about him uh you know don't take a deep breath you have to like breathe out all your air before you go into a vacuum if you want a chance of surviving yeah i mean there's kind of a dumb scene that follows where fishburne just uh catches him in space instead and brings him back into the oh airlock. yeah the, the entire time when they're talking to him fishburne because he was already outside doing a spacewalk anyway he's like sort of like coming for him he's like i'm coming i'm coming i'm he's coming swimming <laughs> he's swimming through space <laughs> 
<laughs> he's doing like this one motion. Well, yeah. To be fair, though, he's he's um he's sort of pushing his hands off like the the ladder around him, though. So he's not he's not just like it's, it's, it's just a funny image of it, him swimming through space. It's <laughs> funny as it would be if they were actually trying to sell us that he could do that and move forward. He is push he is pushing himself off the ship. But it's not like he's right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but you're right. The arm movement is very breaststroke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I uh, like. I mean, it's an okay scene. Like, you know, I, I, I mean, from well, here... like the the realization on his face of like what's gonna about to happen to him is, you know, it, it's good. It's a decent bit of acting there. Yeah, I, it's a it's a scary, intense scene. Like when you watch it for the first time. Yeah, a, a lot of the middle stuff does kind of blur together for me. But you know, like eventually when they're getting ready to leave, uh, the short-haired woman like sees her son in the the engine area because she's getting the oxygen like converter tubes out the the thing, mm-hmm. and. The pilot runs off with his load because he's already like you know got tons of them, and she sees her son, and it results in her like falling to her death into like because there's like a little pool under the the core thing, uh, with like a little walkway, and she like lands onto the walkway into the water. It's it's quite you know it's quite nasty looking. Actually, I like that death a lot. Um, even like just the fall, like when it first like she doesn't realize she's stepping onto an area that has no floor, mm. <laughs> and her reaction there, I think that's a good a good scene. Um, I hate that she like doesn't question why her kid is there, and she just like follows him blindly yeah, around. Yeah, she's the just entranced. And... Yeah, <laughs> I sort of hate that, but you know, the actual <coughs> death scene I think is pretty good. It's because obviously I compare it to Shining because there's a lot of them seeing ghosts that are related to them or are mm-hmm. just going up and talking to them and not even considering why they're seeing someone who's dead or anything. But the other thing, obviously, is there is a scene where a big vat of red liquid gets burst so it's, it's like the elevator scene from the shining where it's yeah, all the blood it is very much yeah. just that <laughs> it's exactly that yeah any uh, kind of fluid on the ship is now red blood yeah. red uh so you got all this stuff playing along uh there's kind of a funny thing where the the wisecracking guy uh cooper so he's outside fixing the ship when sam neill does go crazy and he sees his, his dead wife and we sort of see that she committed suicide because he wasn't there for her when he was obsessed with his work. Which I feel like that could have used more fleshing out because they, they, totally. they barely they barely mention it. And it's just like, okay. Because obviously the hint that he's got like feelings for his wife and he looks at her photo once or twice or whatever, but... Claire. Yeah. He basically just says, though, as because he's basically witnessing her go to the bathtub to slit her wrists. He says, I know I wasn't there, Claire. And that's basically all you get of, like, Why? Is that yeah. one line? I know I wasn't there, Claire. Please don't do it. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's it. you just you weren't there. Okay. Yeah. And then he like stands up and looks at her, and she says, "I have such sights to show you." Which is very hilarious, <laughs> yes. And then she pokes out his eyes with her thumbs, and yeah. uh, that sort of sets us into like him being the crazy like one running around the ship. And it is actually, you know, I said, I mentioned that Firefly episode uh, with the Reavers. What's funny is that I do think the mutilated sort of version of him after he's like done and he's like got all the blood, the the you know, the, the cuts on him and all that. It is very Reaver esque, actually. I I'm not, I don't necessarily think that was inspired, but anyway, by this. But uh, it it reminds me of Pinhead. Ah, uh, Pinhead's fair, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pinhead obviously has got the more the, the perfect grid. You know, he does, yeah. But it, yeah. it's like um, you know, just all the cuts, you know, and uh, along his head, and he's he's bald at this point. You know, everything's I guess been burned off by yeah. hellfire. Well, one of the other things that they're rushing for, although, and of course, the fact that the the converters aren't good enough for the ship, so they're running out of oxygen the longer they stay on it, is mm-hmm. that they eventually are able to like, uncover like this video 
that was recorded and it's like the previous crew all went crazy and the captain's like holding his own eyeballs and yeah i like this video actually i think this is like one of the good parts is that you get all this like really disturbing imagery and stuff like that i mean it's kind of silly but at the same time like it is sick like if some of the stuff that's there if you actually pause it this is the scene that reminds me of blair witch 2 because there's a scene in blair witch 2 where they eventually play the tapes of what happened the night that they can't remember and then when they play it back it's like they're all just naked having an orgy and shit oh yeah yeah, yeah. i remember that part yeah <laughs> this is what this, this is what that this, this reminded me of Man, that movie sucks oh no, yeah it was terrible uh but uh, you know i i'm kind of with two minds like again maybe it was the filming style but it did come off as a bit more goofy than i think it was supposed to uh like Maybe it's because they were being so over the top and they were all like just raving mad and you know it was it was all chaos as opposed to oh something a bit more ominous where you realize he's holding his own eyeballs or so, you know something like that where it's like more of a gradual mm. realization they, they went for just like ah and the problem with that is that it's like oh I can just sort of take it in and and laugh at it a little bit. I mean honestly, it looks like a bunch of people turning into centibites to me. They're all getting, like, hooks and, like, body parts dismembered and all sorts of things. Yes. Uh, it's a little centibite-y. Um, it's not as good as anything in those movies. But, no, like, in, like, no, yeah. Or, like, the first two, at least. Yeah, it just, it just feels more like mutilation, because I, I don't get the... Because, you know, centibites have that kind of S&M thing going with their, their outfits. Well, we get a little bit of that here. We see a lot of people, you know, chained up or like uh, on the hooks. Um, even uh, Jason Isaacs on has been put on hooks and like upside down. Well, he's he's like he's like a uh, open. He's like he's like the guy in the uh, Silence of the Lambs who's put up with his like stomach all like sort of held open. Which, yeah. you know, I, I like I, I get what you're saying, but I think all the stuff we see with them with chains and hooks in this is not like Hellraiser to me because it's more like. Um, someone's done this to, it's more like you know the killer from seven or something has has got his hands mm-hmm. on them and has put them in this situation because when you see like those like quick flashes of like the the other world that the ship went to when like Lawrence fishburne sees from sam neill he's like i'll show you you know where they went and you get all these quick flashes of all this torture it it doesn't look s&m it looks it looks like no this is like torture chamber stuff where they're just mm-hmm. and the hell basically <laughs> I mean, yeah that uh, was the dimension yeah that's where they go they didn't go in our place in our universe they went to another universe uh, through the wormhole and it came back and you know this should be so good as well the idea because they mentioned that basically it's the ship like the ship came back sentient and it's actually the ship that's doing this to them but i this felt so undercooked to me i'm like if the ship is sentient like why why don't i really feel this why, why don't you give me more of the ship like seemingly doing things like yeah why, why isn't the ship reacting to what they do i mean at one point i think one of them says the ship's reacting to us i'm like i don't see any evidence of that like it's just generic spooky shit happening yeah yeah i don't, I don't know it just it feels really undercooked um but yeah so that's the basic idea though what's happening is that it went to another dimension it came back different obviously while it was there it did all these things to the crew like it made them all go mad and do all this crazy shit uh it's obviously got to Sam Neill, and he's went crazy. I wish that was more of a gradual turn. I wish it felt more like we saw signs of it, and then it was like a oh shit moment when it happened. Yeah, you, I mean, you assume he kind of makes the turn when he does the I am home, and he like takes the the bomb away or something. 
um, off screen. That was but... too dramatic for me, though. It was too much of a dramatic, like, I've already made this choice kind of thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's, like, where I assume the turn happens. But then we get the scene where he's, like, in the bathroom and he's having a... a he's hallucinating about his mm. wife and then she takes his eyes out and stuff like that. And then I think, okay, well, this is where the turn happens because now he's past the point he's past the event horizon he, he, past he, no return he's given into the you know the ghost of his dead wife here he's like given in saying mm-hmm. yes take me i will be whatever this is kind of thing mm-hmm. uh i maybe the delivery as well like and i'm not blaming sam neil for this but maybe his delivery of that line you know he's directed to say it in this dramatic way maybe if it was maybe if he said it like he was realizing it it might work better for me yeah that's you know, true like like you know it's like, like lawrence fishburne's challenged them by saying that and then he goes i am home well, you know, you know, something you know, do better than I can, but like, see, so, something where it's more of a realization. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it doesn't feel like that in this scene. I think that's my big thing. Uh, or, or yeah. even if he doesn't really say it to Fishburn, but like, yeah, has a moment to himself where he says it. Yeah, like maybe, maybe well, you know, he sees his dead wife again, and then he says it to himself or something. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, something, yeah. something else. Yeah, and because I, I think the idea is that you know he feels guilty about abandoning his wife for so long, and that led to a suicide. So now this alien entity of whatever it is is preying on him into those feelings to make him think that no, this is the home he needs to stay in now. So if he leaves the event horizon and leaves the ship, which is his new family, then he will feel the same guilt again. He'll be making the same mistake again. So that's what it's preying on. But I don't think the movie does enough for me to really give a shit <laughs> about mm-hmm. that. Instead, they just turn him into Jack Torrance <laughs> in space. It is very... Yeah, it's Jack Torrance, but when you watch The Shining, there's, like, he... F- like, right from the start of the movie... There's a gradual madness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially in the, 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 the proper cut of The Shining, which is the American cut, so it's the one you've probably seen, is... Of course. Is, uh, you know, there's a scene earlier on where they actually say out loud, like, you know, he has hit the kid before. So there's, like, a very real abuse that's happened in the past that he's fighting, so when he's being manipulated and he's being influenced by the ghost. Like, I said this when I reviewed it with Tim. You can take all of The Shining as non-literal. You can take it all as a metaphor and it is just him going mad and none of it's really happening. Now, it doesn't quite add up because some other characters see some spooky shit as well, but if you sort of gloss over that, you could otherwise take that movie as all in his head and that's it's all just represents him going mad. And that's, what's kind of, that's what makes it work because it works either way. Uh, here, you know, it's just like... <laughs> obviously there's, there's no two ways about it it's just spooky no. shit's happening and uh you know it's, it's, it's all Everybody very sees it, yeah it's over the top you got a man on fire you got uh all sorts of things and i was saying about cooper yeah he's on the side of the ship uh sam neill blows up their their getaway ship their uh you're know, the lewis and clark and that's where the pilot dies the pilot's looking for the bomb he's upset because he just fixed the ship <laughs> and mm-hmm. then he finds the bomb and it's like, he's like i found it and it's like five four he's like shit yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's why I said I like the pilot, because he's got that moment where, like, he hasn't really done anything wrong, or, like, he hasn't really been a dick to anybody. Um, and then he kind of has this cruel death of, uh, I mean, not as cruel as uh, what other people go through. I guess it is, uh. it kind of gets off easy, actually. But where he's just, like, has this moment of, like, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, that, that, this is definitely more instant than some of the other deaths, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, but just, like, we have, like, five seconds to see him just so defeated, like, this is it this is the, the moment i realize i'm dying but cooper's on the outside of the ship like patching up still when the explosion happens so 
he actually gets like thrown out of space. He's still alive, and he's on like a piece of debris. <laughs> and he's got jokes. He's got jokes. <laughs> he, he's he's why he's cracking jokes even when he's doing like when he's like in this serious danger. Because like I'm thinking of like, other movies where characters are like you know in, sp- in space like this, and it's like you know gravity or yeah. you know, other things like that, where it's this very tense thing. And this then, is the worst scene in the movie. And yeah. <laughs> And, you know, in those movies, just like this one, they eventually either use their oxygen supply or something else to propel them back to the other ship to, to for safety, right? And that's what he does. So what he does to, like, get, you know, get back is fine, but it's just that he's wisecracking. It's all treated like kind of a silly thing where he, he's, yeah. he's kind of presented like, oh, he's the one who's going to jump in and save the day when he gets back because he's this, he's a, we've set him up as this, like, loose thread that can come back when the time's yeah. right. Uh, so, uh, so... Uh, at this point, like Lawrence Fishburne grabs like wh- whatever weaponry he can find, and he's like, "Okay, I need to take on Sam Neill." And Sam Neill is sitting in the captain's chair of the Event Horizon, missing his eyes. He's monologuing like a madman. Uh, he's talking about, you know, we're going to, I'm going to show you what we're where, and you know where this place went, and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blondie comes in and helps him fight a little bit. Uh, eventually, the... she's kind of useless, but yeah. yeah, she doesn't really do much. <laughs> if it, do you know what? That's the thing. He's blind and he still just like chokes her right away. At the start of the movie, it kind of felt like they were setting her up to be the likable one who was nicer to Sam Neil, and I thought maybe there could be an arc there. It mm-hmm. also kind of felt like, well, she's not the main character. She's going to be the closest thing we have to a Ripley, and that she's the one, not only because she survives, but because she feels like, yeah, it felt like they were set up to be more likable and noble. But then, after the first like twenty five minutes, she basically is just a background character until mm-hmm. the very end, when she just happens to be surviving and is there. She's she's the final girl, just because 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 yeah, her her <laughs> her and wastecrack man, because Lawrence Fishburne of course sacrifices himself and blows up the uh, uh, the the back half of the event horizon, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, because it's all sucked into Neptune. Yeah, because even though Sam Neill goes flying out into space, because when they're fighting, the window breaks, and he goes out into space, they think he's dead. And I guess technically is, but now death doesn't matter to him, because he's part of the ship and their weird thing. <laughs> so, and he has eyes again. <laughs> yeah, because he, Lawrence Fishburne sees the burning man from his past again, and he says, you're not him, I know you're not him, and then he turns into Sam Neill uh, mm-hmm. with all the cuts, and is like, yeah, we're going to go to to other upside down land or whatever or whoever it is uh and lawrence fishburne you know blows the place up i i think one of the things that bugged me early on as well is just how often sam Dill kept saying there was no danger because like, it's, it's after the young guy is like like comatose from being in this room and he's like mm-hmm. you can calm down it's perfectly safe and then lauren fishburne's like now nah, we're going to shut this place off and not let anyone and else in because it's too dangerous he's like it's perfectly safe there's no danger here captain i'm like dude someone is lying in sick bay yeah <laughs> and can't talk something sent a shockwave through the ship that damaged our ship this place could not be more it, unknowable right now. Isn't it after they watch like the video too, where he goes, as soon as it's over, he's like, yep, we're going home. <laughs> oh, the cat, uh, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah we're yeah. just going home. Yeah. That um, was a funny line. Th- I mean, honestly, that's the that's the moment where he's probably the most like relatable and likable is where he just makes a smart <laughs> yeah. decision. No, we're just getting out of here. No, F this. Yep, we're leaving. <laughs> Let's just <Back> go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they can stay on the ship. Uh, all the way home, but they can go into the the tubes and stay alive in there, you know, because they use less supplies and oxygen and stuff. I guess. Yeah, which is green in this one, and the was blue in the other. Maybe it's green because it's been through hell. 
so ah, it looks dirtier. Maybe it can just be any color, and it's just it's you know, when when the event horizon was made, they were all green, but by the time this ship was was made, they were all blue. It was it's newer and sleeker, so it's blue, clear water. Maybe well, I assume it's not water though. I'm, assu- I'm assuming there's something else in there. No, it's gotta be something else. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so some barber shops use magic to magic space just to keep you safe. That's right. <laughs> Get your magic. Maybe space it's flavored. Just. Maybe this one's like sour apple or something. Ah, yeah, yeah. And the, other, <laughs> the other one was like bubble gum flavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or blue raspberry. I love two things that definitely are not blue. Yeah. Well, the reason why I went to that was because I, I think it, because we're talking about the colors and it being flavored, it's making me think of just like generic ice treats that you put in the freezer and those that mm. tends to be the flavors they are yeah that's what's making me think of sure yeah we call them icicles i don't know what you call them and um i actually call them that in canada ah. I, don't know, I don't know what they're called here in the states i'm not sure uh ice pop <laughs> that's my guess sounds right <laughs> I'm predicting it. They're called an ice pop, but I have no idea. Uh, uh, it's different from a push pop, yes. Which is also a popsicle, but frozen. Did you, call, juice. Did, did you call them popsicles in Canada? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're ice lollies here because it's like a lollipop. It made of ice. And I'm only explaining that because I once said it's called an ice lolly to an American, and they went, "Well, that's stupid." And I'm like, "How's it stupid?" It's clearly the ice version of a lollipop. Ice lolly. There's a simple logic to it. It makes sense. You may not like it. I mean, popsicle's a cool word. Popsicle's a great word. I'm not denying that maybe it's even superior. But mm-hmm. ice lolly does make sense. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they go in the tubes uh, to survive. And the uh, we get a scene. There's like an epilogue scene at the end where... The blonde has a nightmare. We do the same. And that's actually something else I hate about supernatural horror movies is the mm-hmm. fake out dream. I hate this. And this movie opens with it and then ends with it. It's like yeah, something spooky right. happens. Wake it's up. Book ended. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, because she sees Sam Neill as one of the like, the rescue team who are coming aboard the ship. But then she wakes up and Cooper's like, no, it's okay. It's a rescue team. Uh, and then for some reason, the, the, the door to this room like shuts like on its own for some, you know, just to be spooky, I guess. Yeah, ending. I guess so. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's sort of just the dour ending of, like, there is no happy ending in this. Yeah, these two are going to be in therapy for the rest of their lives at best. Yeah, because she's still screaming and stuff when the doors close. Yeah. Uh, so they're going for the spooky kind of, like, oh, we're too traumatized by this forever. Like, it'll live with us forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which is fine, I guess. I suppose, but it's... it's fine. <laughs> we don't get a happy ending. That's okay. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I don't mind that happy ending necessarily. Uh, it, yeah, it's frustrating to me because, like I said, right at the start of this review, on paper, all the concepts that this is playing with, that the ship went somewhere else, it's now sentient because of whatever hell dimension it went to. I like those ideas, but the problem is, is that then it, it plays out with just a lot of, oh, random spooky scenes with them seeing a ghost of some kind or someone from their past. And then you know it it just it falls into a series of tropes that I that I have been tired of for decades at this point. I just I don't like it. I've never really liked a lot of these tropes. There's a few examples that have been done well, but I get really sick of them. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's directed well. 
and then you add in unlikable characters, you add in all these things, and I think you have a bit of a concoction for a really kind of just consistently unlikable movie. Just a little bit annoying. Unlikable and a little bit annoying at all times. That's how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't really argue. It's not, it's not a good movie at all, but, like, it's not... I don't think it's completely unwatchable. It definitely feels of its time. Um, and there are elements in it that I think are good, and even some concepts that are good. I mean, I like... I like From Beyond a lot, which has the whole, you know, technology and opening up a, a hell dimension. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. even like uh, the Doom franchise is is like that as well. Yeah, honestly, uh, if I was just, if I was to pick two movies that were this movie's parents, I would say The Shining and From Beyond had a mm-hmm. had a baby. And I know that yeah, doesn't bring in so much Hellraiser in it. <laughs> and I know that doesn't I mean, bring in the, the space side of like the of the. The portal core thing kind of looks like something from. Do I I know why I'm not agreeing with this Hellraiser thing? Even I can see why you're saying it. It's because to me, Hellraiser is more about all of its themes, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about, oh, there's a little bit of the Cenobites in there, and the 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 pain and stuff. But when I think of Hellraiser, yeah, that stuff's there. But the main point of Hellraiser is like the the, you know the motivation of the character to rebuild their horrible dead boyfriend by luring people to their death so he can like take their life force, like. You know, I'm thinking of, like, all the sexual themes yeah. in Hellraiser, you know? Um, okay, well, yeah, but I guess I'm thinking more of, like, the the concept of the art design of it. Um, like, just okay, yeah, the visuals. of Hell yeah. is very much what we see from Hellraiser films. Um, but I, I guess, you know, whether or not you side more with me or Tara on, like, what is it more like? Uh, the, the, the key f- detail here is that clearly it's got a lot of other movies in it. Uh, yeah. And... You feel that I think, and that would be okay if it was otherwise, well, like, if it was otherwise engaging with the characters, you'd be like, okay, it's a rip off of a bunch of other things. But there's other movies that I like that aren't original, but I still enjoy the process of them because, oh, I, you know, I enjoy w- these concepts and I like the characters well enough that I can get into this and you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. This, and it's like you said, it's a product of its time, and there's so many bad movies that I remember watching on cable from, like, the late 90s and early 2000s that had a lot of the same bad qualities, all the way up until maybe even the late 2000s, because we talked about Pandorum, you know, when we did that, and I would say Pandorum, you know, there's a lot of... It has some event horizon in it, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels with that, a lot of shared qualities that I don't like. Um, And it's, yeah, it's just a shame. And uh, anyone who likes this, you are wrong. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Maybe you just don't. Maybe you just need to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, watch, watch it maybe again. It's been be a sure. while, and you have a different memory of it. And, yeah. and if you say it's a guilty pleasure, if you say it's not very good, but I get something out of it, that's fine. I, I you know, I like lots of bad movies. That's cool. Oh but, yeah, yeah. But if you think it's actually good, you're wrong, <laughs> and I will fight you on it. <laughs> just wait till you guys hear my list. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I do not recommend Event Horizon. Apparently, it did really well in Germany. It was like it bombed everywhere else, but it was a big hit in Germany. <laughs> I took my mom to see it, so I I gave it my money, my allowance. <laughs> you didn't pay for your mom's ticket, did you? At that age? No, but I, I mean, I made her go watch it. Okay, yeah. You you negotiated another ticket, so yes. You did yeah, your part. I also um. I convinced her to go blindly into Jackie Brown, which was a much better experience for her. 
Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's that's fair. She loved that movie, and that was the same year. Uh, de- definitely, if if I, if I'm giving you my 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 1997 rankings based on just those two movies, Jackie Brown number one, <laughs> Event Horizon a distant second. <laughs> yeah, well, Jackie Brown's a freaking fantastic movie that people forget about, even though it's a Tarantino film. Mm. Okay, well, yeah. I, I I guess it's time to to rate the movie uh tara what what, what, what are you thinking i'm thinking straight five i I, honestly i don't think it's an unwatchable film i think uh, obviously you have a lot of hate for it but i I think there's enough there that you know it's still entertaining there's some good deaths in it um some cool concepts but yeah overall it kind of fails at everything it's trying to do (laughs) so but uh, but i'll give it a, a five for effort if I'm going to watch a sci-fi movie in a setting like this that's, you know, taking a lot of stuff from Alien and Aliens but in terms of the ensemble cast, I would much rather watch a Leviathan. I know it's underwater rather in space, but it's the same difference. <laughs> uh, like, I would much rather watch a goofy movie like Leviathan and get a kick out of that. I'd much rather watch... Uh, I almost saw somebody else set in a space station that I like, or spaceship, you know, whatever. There's, there's plenty of them. I, I cannot abide by event horizon it's not the worst thing ever and it's not anderson's worst movie i have seen all the resident evil movies i know it's not his worst movie like he gets worse than this yeah um but yeah i I would still say with a straight face that i would rather watch avp over event horizon again um i definitely would rather watch mortal kombat over event horizon again so with that all said i will give this a three out of ten Shit! You've definitely lowered it from the last time you watched it. I hate. Uh, yeah, that, 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 it it probably lost like uh, a point when I watched it again, and then what lost another point when I was forced to watch it again today. <laughs> <laughs> like it got even worse. I was like, God damn it! I hate you don't this have movie. many more watches before it just becomes a a zero movie. I don't want to watch it anymore, though. I can stay here forever. I don't know. <laughs> watch it okay. again. Thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Allison M. Four Dice. Those are our Patreon producers at the higher tier on patreon.com slash TV. Tara, why don't you tell them more about that magical place? That's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV where if you donate as well as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So you can see what we think of your favorite B-movies. B-movies such as the Tremors sequels, uh, the Philadelphia Experiment 2, the Trancer Saga. Um, For the love of all things, say one that's not a sequel. They've all been sequels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, gosh, what else did we do? Time Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Judge Dredd. The first two we did. <laughs> yeah, um, why are you still remembering the first two? Why not the last two we did? Because those are, like, legit good movies. Um, Rotor, <laughs> that was fun. We just did... Abraxas. Uh, Abraxas. Before that, we did Guardian The Brain. Guardian of the Universe. We did The Giver. Yeah, there's some quality B-movie sci-fi trash. And yeah, there's, so, there's so many now. There's so many. And there's so many to come. So, you know, dollar per month, I'd buy that for a dollar. And if you donate 
$5 per month, you will get access to these reviews one day early and you get to vote on what we watch once a month. Uh, it's really fun. Cool community of people. Come come join. You can come join buy, our cult. You can buy that for a dollar, although obviously the movie that comes from will not be a bonus episode for obvious reasons. Uh, but, we're, we're saving it. But uh, I don't think the sequels will be. I think they're still worth doing the main show, as is the remake, because it's a remake and the I've wrath must be it. felt. However, the RoboCop stuff that may go into the bonus section, if we ever want to do it, is mm -hmm. there was four TV movies uh, they did for like... Hell what, yeah. It was basically, I think it was basically like four pilots before the TV show that lasted like a season existed. They did four movies. It was called RoboCop The Prime Directives. Those are bonus episodes to your RoboCop. <laughs> we'll see what we could do. Yeah, maybe someday. Maybe someday. No, I can promise it then, but maybe someday. It's uh, far in the future. We gotta save some of the big ones, you know. So. Oh sure, I have no no problems with that. You can also like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications and all that stuff. And the comment, you know, let us know in the comments what you think of the the movie, what you think of, the, uh, of our thoughts. Do you agree? Disagree? I imagine there may be some disagreements on this one, but we'll see. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts from. Five stars and a review, all helps us out. So please do those things. All right, there you go. That is a. Uh, Event Horizon. <laughs> that was the movie. <laughs> I'm already forgetting that, thankfully. Yep. This is good news. Wipe uh, from your memory. So, thank you very much. We'll see you once again. Keep watching science fiction movies. And computer. Add salsa.